0: Meditation. 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 Thinking, depending thinking, thinking, on the quality thinking, of my You know, there's thinking, good days thinking, and bad days. I mean, wow, like stuff. the waterfall of thoughts.
1: <laughs> Every now and then, a nice... Um, um, I can't think of anything. This is Meditation in the City.
2: The Shambhala New York
0: Podcast.
3: And I'm Dave, your host. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You know, sometimes us meditators, us Peaceful, content, relaxed people. We do a nice uh, weekend meditation retreat. We drink tea. We feel open. And then Monday morning rolls around. We go back to the office or whatever the job site is. And it all seems to fall apart. How do we actually do this at work, especially if we're in a stressful work environment? Is it possible to be open and compassionate in that kind of a place, in that kind of a situation? Will people just look at you funny, not take you seriously, pass you over for promotion? This is the topic of today's talk by Rick Redondo. This was recorded at our weekly Dharma gathering a couple of weeks ago. Visit our website, www.mydachinbala.org, for all of our upcoming courses and weekend retreats. The Meditation in the City Retreat is back. That's right. This is not only a podcast, it is a retreat, a seven-day meditation retreat happening this August, August 17th to the 24th. It is being led by Shastri Nick Kranz. What happens at these retreats anyway? I mean, maybe you've never been to a meditation retreat. What, what can you expect? Well, each day is a combination of sitting and walking meditation. There will be relevant Dharma talks presented by Nick Kranz and other members of the faculty. You will periodically have chances to meet one-on-one with uh, an individual meditation instructor to talk about your practice. People who've done it really have spoken about how profound and important it was, not just in their life as a meditator, but just in their life overall. Best part if you sign up now, you save a hundred bucks. You get a hundred bucks off. That's our early bird discount. So go to the link on the homepage, ny.shambhala.org, for the Meditation in the City retreat for more information and to register. Okay? Here's Rick Redondo talking about how do you get from stressful work to contentment? What's the
4: hack? The what's the hack was suggested to me. It's a story that uh, I was teaching a class one time. Uh, I think I was probably teaching contentment in everyday life perhaps, or maybe joy in everyday life, a weekly course that we, we teach where we go in detail about how you walk this path of waking up, opening to ourselves. And uh, I had a young student, not, you know, their 20s, I think, a young professional. And, uh, you know, we're talking about a lot of the practices and readings and steps that you might do. And uh, maybe she was having a hard day, and she kind of looked at me, and she said, you know, this is a lot of work. You know, wh- what's the hack? You know, cut, cut to the chase. You know, and I, I appreciate that. You know I, I appreciate that how, how, how the heck do I do this thing right I've got a hard life and uh, how do I do this thing I, I kind of smiled and uh, I thought of this quote I, I sort of I quoted it off the top of my head not exactly right but I, I have the actual quote here so I I basically told her this quote from uh, Dilgo Kenshi Rinpoche who was a great Tibetan teacher he was one of uh, actually chicken Trump's teachers I do believe some people attribute this quote to Cengen Trumpa himself, but I, I saw it uh, quoted to Dilgo. so hopefully it's not just a Tibetan urban myth or something, but anyhow, this is what Doggo Kensei said about what the hack is. The everyday practice is simply to develop complete acceptance and openness to all situations and emotions and to all people experiencing everything totally without mental reservations and blockages so that one never withdraws or centralizes into oneself so we're just completely accepting of all situations emotions people completely we're completely willing to open um so that's not exactly a real easy hack, I, I suppose you might say. Um, it's beautiful, though. So it's a training path, in other words. You know, I mean, if you can do that, great. Then I just gave you the hack, all right. So I gave. Hopefully, I gave you your money's worth. Um, but for most of us, that's a training path, and. Uh, I like to think about uh, opening up. It's like we open ourselves to ourselves in meditation, toward sort of deeper self. And uh, we have a garden. I live in Brooklyn, and we have a back a garden. We're in the garden apartment. We have a beautiful garden in the back, and there's flowers. And our cherry tree is about to bloom any day now. It's nice. And. Um, You know, flowers just, they open when the time is right, when the conditions come and the sun and the weather and the season, and they just, they open up. We're a little, we're a little different. We kinda, we have a choice. I mean, we have to train and we have to be, have the right time and the right season, but we can sort of choose. Are we gonna, are we gonna open up? Are we gonna open up? our heart, our goodness, or not? We kind of have a choice. And it's a training, I think, to sort of see if that's going to work. Is that going to work? Do I want to open up? Does it make sense to open up? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I should stay closed. Maybe the weather's too harsh. Or, Or am I willing? And so also in thinking about this talk, I was kind of asking people. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, I know a gentleman at work is also a meditator. And uh, my work can be a little stressful, so he knows me a little differently, perhaps, than uh, my meditation students might. <laughs> and uh, so I said, what do you think I should do? And he said, how about something about you know, wakefulness at work? Something like that. I thought about it and was like, hmm, okay. Am I really the perfect person to teach that one or not? I don't know. Hmm." I used to be an option trader. I think they mentioned that. So, a long time ago, I traded the Mercantile Option Exchange in Chicago, which is a very, you know, stressful. You're in a pit with a bunch of grown people screaming and yelling and fighting for money a lot of, a lot of, the Super Bowl is stress, pretty much. I don't think it gets much stress, more stressful than that. And you have to be pretty tough. I was a young person when I was doing it. I was in my uh, mid and lower twenties, and um, I remember I even, if you're not tough, they'll sort of push you around. So I even developed this kind of intimidator kind of persona, you know, which is totally affected you know and uh, I remember at one point they kind of made me in charge of my company's trading pits I kind of became the boss of the thing and a lot of pressure and I was walking like 25 or 6 years old and I'm walking down the hall after trading day and all of a sudden I had this facial tick and I stopped and I was like I've never done anything like that I've never had a tick. I don't think I've ever had one since either, really. And I knew, oh boy, this is, this is stressful. This is, I don't know about this. I'm not sure if I'm in the right place or not. Uh, I didn't stay there that much longer. Money wasn't... It was, a, it was a perfectly good job, and there were great people down there too, but for me it just wasn't... I didn't, I didn't need money that bad. I moved on. So I thought, am I, you know, and my work now is also stressful. I work in, uh, uh, I'm a technical director of an auditorium, a corporate auditorium. So I help put on these stages, corporate shows. And it's actually kind of stressful work, because when you're in the middle of a show, everything that happens, everybody's very on point, And it's a big deal when somebody's up in front of people and things don't go right. So everyone's really on edge. And there's a lot of stress in it. And I'm not always... Uh, I'm maybe not always a gentle flower at all times, you know. And I said to myself, should I be talking about this? You know, it's a bit of a challenge perhaps. But then I I'd thought about things and I, I realized, you know, in my teaching uh, I've really come a long way in working with anxiety and stress. Long way. And uh, in my acting. I'm an actor as well. And I've come along really come a long way with these teachings. And I, I thought about the teachings that I'm going to talk about tonight that would apply towards working with stress in the workplace, you might say. And they're actually the teachings that I've, some of the teachings I've taken most to heart. They're actually closest to my personal um, thoughts and goals when I'm practicing and when I'm trying to be a good Buddhist. Uh, So I thought, yeah, you know, there's some challenge there, but I should, I've also come a long way with this. And it's a training. You know, we're not, you'll find if you walk this path of wakefulness that it's a, it's like a, they, they compare it to an onion. You know, you're always peeling layers. So you know, you get rid of one layer of stuff that you're struggling with, and then there's another layer, and there's always another, and another, and another. It's never really, you're never really done. You're never never finished. Um, It's really about trying to just tackle whatever your blind spots might be, or going on to the next challenge. That's perhaps why we refer to this uh, path as warriorship. Here in Shambhala, sometimes we call the path of being a, a Buddhist, a warrior. And it doesn't mean like fighting for money, yelling and screaming, warrior. It means that somehow it takes kind of courage to look at ourselves. Am I willing to open up to all situations and all people at all times without reservation? Is that a good idea? There's a risk feeling vulnerable, feeling open, exposed at times. It's at risk, but then there's also a reward. There's risk and reward. And I think of the training as sort of like, uh, I was thinking about this flower image of we have a choice to open. And I believe near my mom, she lives in uh, San Diego. Uh, The weather is very dry. And sometimes she's right in the ocean. Sometimes there's a lot of moisture and sometimes there isn't. And I think there's flowers that You know, they open up on some days, and then they close up. And they open up, and they close up, and they they open up. And I think our training's kind of like that. You know? We're not probably just going to open up for good. (laughs) We're going to open, we're going to close, and we're going to think, okay, should I open here? Should I give this a shot? All right, okay, I'll open up. We're training. And and what is it like when I open up? Is it a risk? Is it going to be terrible? Or is it, what is it like? Try it. See what happens. Usually for me, when I give these things a try, I'm usually glad. That's why I've stayed on it. So this um, path then, and it's challenging. Let's let's just say that going in the workplace is a, a sort of a next level. It's a challenge. It's the next level with meditation. First we work on ourselves and we're learning to be gentle and opening up to ourselves and looking at ourselves and dealing with ourselves and that's a challenge in itself. And then at a certain point it's an even greater challenge to start to interact with the, the outside world and the additional challenges involved in that. So this all is based on having a practice. You know, if we're not really training, it's going to be pretty difficult. These are all good things to hear that I'll be talking about, but really it's the the practice and the training that's gonna, and the time that's gonna start to pick through the layers of the onion. And this path here we talk about in Shambhala, about opening up to others. We call it the snow lion's path. The snow lion. The snow lion is a sort of a mythical. There's a snow lion right there, the white, perky, fierce little creature. The snow lions is actually a mythical creature. Uh, it's perhaps close to a snow leopard, you might think, which is an actual but hard to, hard to find creature in the, I think in the Tibetan area. So the snow lion I think of as being similar to like a snow leopard, and the the snow lion. Uh, has taken on the perky uh, task of working with others, of having some sense of goodness and gentleness that we've developed, and then wanting to interact in the world. And there's sort of two ways in which that's helpful. One, of course, you're benefiting the world. You have helped other people. You're spreading the You're trying to help other people out. If you've found some peace, if you've found some relaxation, if you've found some gentleness, some kindness in yourselves, you'd like to spread that around, simply. Interestingly, too, though, it's also, we start to see that the outside world is also a mirror of our own minds, a reflection of ourselves. That our relationship with ourselves is mirrored in the world. And to go further with ourselves, we need to look into that mirror of other people. So what is this sort of uh, obstacle then to to working with other people at work or or anywhere, really? What's the obstacle? Uh, And first of all, what is an obstacle? Sometimes we feel like there should be no obstacles in our path or our efforts. We feel like, you know, it should just be easy and perfect, and I should just be, I should know the hack, and I should just be boom, totally clean and open to all situations and people all the time. I've read the book, I've read the phrase, that's it. I should do it today. It's not so easy. We're going to bump into struggles. And when we bump into struggles, a lot of people have a feeling like, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be a nice meditator and I'm loving and kind, but, you know, I really want to kill my boss. I just want to kill them. I want to punch them. That's wrong. I shouldn't, f- that's wrong. I'm a bad Buddhist, bad Shambhalian. So I, I just should quit this. There's no point. I'm not doing this right. And actually, we say these obstacles that you bump into, they're like sore muscles if you go to the gym. They're not a problem. If you go to the gym and you work out and you, the next day you have sore muscles, you could sit there and go, oh my gosh, what happened? Did I break my body? Did I do something wrong? This, I'm, this hurts. It shouldn't happen. Well, actually, the sore muscles are an indication that you're doing the work you'll get through the sore muscles, they will get better, and then you'll go on, you'll keep doing more work. And it's the same thing with these obstacles. They're just an uh, indication that we're actually engaged in doing the work. They're not a problem at all. They're, they're actually our path. They're, they're, they're our challenges, and, and there, are, there are risks, and there are, they are our rewards if we choose to work with them. So then, what is the main obstacle toward this path of working with other people, from our perspective? What's the problem? What gets in the way? And in the Shambhala tradition, we call that obstacle doubt. Doubt. We doubt our own goodness. And read a little bit of what this gentleman up here, Chyayim Champa Rinpoche said about doubt. He didn't mean doubting an idea or doubting an organization or anything like that. He said that what we're referring to here is to overcoming a much more basic doubt, which is fundamentally doubting yourself and feeling that you have shortcomings as a human being. You don't feel that your mind and body are synchronized or working together properly. You feel that you are Constantly being shortchanged somewhere in your life. So we doubt. We doubt our own goodness. Am I good? I don't know. I'm not so sure. I don't think so. We doubt other people's goodness. We're paranoid about them or suspicious or fearful fearful. So we're fearful of our own nature, we're fearful of other people and their nature, and we're fearful of the world in general, society. Is it good? Can I trust it? And I was thinking about uh, the shortchanged thing, feeling shortchanged. Somehow you feel kind of on the short end of the stick. Either I didn't. I'm not quite good enough. Or other people are gonna try to get me all the time. Or I can't trust them. Or I don't know. Society is just a a giant mess, and it's always gonna mess me up. And I was thinking today. I thought of this uh, character from when I was a kid. As a little kid, there was a cartoon I used to watch a little bit on Saturday mornings. I was probably only five or six years old. It was a long time ago. And it was the, called the uh, Pebbles and Bam Bam show. So if you ever watched the Flintstones, the, the their little kids were Pebbles and Bam Bam, and then Pebbles and Bam Bam grow up all of a sudden, like that, they're teenagers, and they have their own show. And they're in high school. And uh, I don't remember that much about the show, but I remember one character, Schlepprock, Schlepp Rock. and he was a little guy, and he felt he was real depressed. He's real down, and he had a little cloud that hung over his head, a little rain cloud that wherever he went, the rain cloud fell on him. And he'd walk around going, wow, zi, woo, woo. And he just, he felt shortchanged in life. Bad luck. The world was always against him, and that's doubt. We doubt that the world is good. We doubt that we're good. We doubt that things are going to go our way. Now it's important to understand that it doesn't mean, you know, that you don't doubt ideas or you don't think about things or you don't contemplate these teachings or say, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, that's fine. It's not critical intelligence we're talking about. Doubt is this kind of frozen quality. Just not willing to try. Just kind of shut down. The Flower just closes down and says, nope, can't do it, nope, nope, not even good, nope, no, the world is just no good. No, forget about it. Just not even willing to try. Not even willing to think about it. So we're thinking about things and, and contemplating is good. You should, should do that. But when you get stuck, that's where the kind of doubt we're talking about. And it kind of puts a cloud over your head. And kind of brings depression, anxiety, struggle. related to the Buddhist concept of what they call laziness. Laziness in Buddhism means not that you're a lazy person, but it means you're unwilling to work with your mind. So if, in Buddhism, it's interesting. There's uh, You could just be, I don't feel, it could be normal laziness, I just don't feel like making an effort. I'll just watch TV or whatever, whatever, it doesn't matter. I, I can open up in some other time, I don't need to open up. <laughs> World doesn't need my little flower I'm just gonna have a beer and forget about it could be that kind of laziness could also be I'm just too busy right now I I got a lot of stuff going on I got a lot of stuff at work it's high stress high pressure I don't got time for this opening up shit okay forget about it I'm too busy I don't have to, I don't have time to try this stuff could even be being disheartened that could be avoidance or, or doubt Actually, when you feel like, oh, you know, i just no good. I can't do this. I'm not, I guess I'm just an angry person or I guess I'm just a depressed person. And i like, meditation's not going to work for me. My mind is too difficult, my thoughts. That's actually doubt too. That's actually, from the Buddhist perspective, laziness. It's, you're not willing to work with your mind. Like, if you're willing to engage your mind, you could actually work with that. And that it's about working with our mind. This whole challenge of moving into the world and working with people. We think it's, we typically think that the key in life is to have the right circumstances. That if I had a better boss, everything would be good. If I was the boss, then everything would definitely be good. If I was the boss and I got paid more and uh, I didn't have the wrong boss over me though, and I have the right relationship. And we, th- we imagine all these different circumstances are, 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 the, are the issue. I actually just read this study on happiness. It's the most popular class at uh, Yale on how to be happy, psychological class. And they say that only 10% of happiness is your circumstances. And usually that only means if you have really horrible circumstances, like they are really bad, well then, yeah, you know, but for most of us, we have reasonable circumstances. Happiness is actually mostly about your own attitude and your own uh, thoughts and patterns, your willingness to be happy now, your willingness to open. So it's a it's a this challenge of working with others is the challenge of working with our own mind. It's not about the cards we're dealt necessarily. Okay. So uh, what are these, then, therefore, how do we do this working with doubt thing, then, according to these Shambhala teachings that I've enjoyed so much? Well, the first category of doubt, there's six of them. I'll go through them quickly. The first category of doubt, how we doubt goodness, the thing we have to overcome and work with, with other people. The first one's anxiety. So that's kind of interesting. Anxiety is a form of doubting our own goodness. We're uncertain about ourselves. There's a sense of uh, inadequacy around anxiety. It's uh, achievement-oriented oftentimes. You know, we, we... we feel a little inadequate but if we achieve a lot or if we hang on to our achievements then somehow maybe that'll be better. There's a lot of anxiety though about if things don't go quite right. Worry is very related to it as well, worry. Sakyong Pam Rinpoche over here he says that most of us think if we worry enough then we'll be happy. Interesting. Probably you just worry all the time is what ends up happening. And you just worry about the next thing and the next. I look at it like you have a lot of plates uh, that you're trying to keep in the air. They used to have these old fashioned uh, uh, circus type acts where the guys would spin plates. They have a bunch of rods and you'd spin a plate and then they'd spin another and then another and then another. And they'd try to do this whole row and then the other plates start to fall so they kind of run back and do that. Sometimes we're kind of like that at work. We got a bunch of balls in the air and got to keep every ball in the air. Everything's got to go just right. Because there's this sort of sense of inadequacy underneath it all. I know at work I deal with people that are real, sometimes anxious. I'm more experienced in doing these shows, and we get people that aren't so experienced doing these corporate shows, and they'll, you know, can can you, they'll ask for something, can you turn the music on? You know, and you've got 20 other things to do and you can, okay, I'll turn the music on. And, and they'll just, can you turn the music on? Can you turn the music on? Can you turn, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like they don't trust that you heard them and you acknowledge them and you tell them, yeah, I'll turn the music on, but I've got to do this first and they just keep anxiety. The second form of doubt, that we can encounter is uh, jealousy. Jealousy has a lot to do with this sense of being shortchanged or feeling like you're not included. I'm not in the in-crowd. Other people, they get the breaks. I don't get the breaks. I know as an actor or a teacher, I've felt that plenty of times. Oh, that other actor, that's not the, he's not that good. He just has the right connections. His dad knows the right people. Uh, his mom is so-and-so, they're, you know, you feel shortchanged. And it's interesting because this relates a lot to actually our own fear of action, our own sort of blockage. Oftentimes we're sort of afraid to gauge in something and perhaps we don't engage as, as fully as we might because of our own fear and our own hesitations. And then we see somebody else doing perhaps what we think would deliver us and we we feel jealous. I'm sure Schlepprock feels jealous of the cool kids. Pebbles and Bam Bam, he probably feels real jealous of them. Uh, the third form of uh, doubt is what's called forgetfulness. And uh, it's interesting, you know, we just sort of forget t- to be wakeful. We just, yeah, you know, don't pay attention to that. But it's, it's kind of a willing sense of forgetfulness. We kind of, you know, we just sort of like take a little break. Yeah, You know, it's not that important. Nobody's looking right now. Who cares? Nobody here knows if I'm a little jerky at work. Okay? Nobody knows that. I don't have to tell any of my students that. I don't have to tell anybody in Shambhala that. So I'll just kind of, you know, if I'm a little jerky once in a while, it's okay. Whatever, who cares? I sort of willingly kind of forget to to make an effort. I'm good in all these other places. You know, I do great in a lot of other places. But, you know, here, i a big deal. The fourth form of... Uh, Doubt is arrogance. So that's sort of the opposite of forgetting. Uh, you're just too, too cool. You don't need to go through the effort. I, I don't have to be. I don't have to be wakeful. I don't have to be kind and gentle. I know better. Actually, these shamal teachings are a little bit off. They're a little bit wrong. I could be a kind, gentle, and open person. But this society right now is an evil, capitalistic society that oppresses everyone and until we overthrow the society and kill and destroy every person who's oppressing us. Until that's done, there's no point in being kind and gentle. I know better. So I don't need to bother with all that stuff. I'm, I, I know better. That's wrong. Arrogant. Or you know better than everybody at work. I'd be nice to them, but they're idiots. They don't... <laughs> they're so stupid. They don't know what they're doing. Like, just forget them. They're not worth the time of day. Come on. Really, come on. It's arrogance. The fifth form of doubt, how we doubt our goodness, is uh, slander. Slander. So It's bad-mouthing. Saying bad things about other folks. Especially as a kind of a habit. Unhelpful, constant. Behind people's back. I think that's pretty clear. It's got to be behind. You don't really slander somebody in their face. It's behind their back. Juicy. It's kind of juicy. You get with your buddies and you talk about that jerk. That guy, that other guy who we work with sometimes. That guy's really a jerk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah oh, he's terrible, he's horrible. Oh, she's sh- coming. Shh, 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 sh- shh, shh. It's constant. It's unhelpful. We might even slander objects of wisdom, too. Shambhala would be great, but, you know, this one teacher, he's kind of in charge of things here, and he, he, he's, he doesn't get it. He's really, he's kind of a phony, and, if they if that guy left, then then everything would be okay. But if I were doing it, then it would really be good. But this phony guy, he's he's the problem. And we slander, and it's it's like a soot. It's kind of like a soot. You get it's, it's seductive in some ways, but you kind of get covered in this kind of soot. And then if you ever get called on it, you feel really bad. And then the final form uh, of doubt: how we doubt our experience our goodness of our experience, or others, or society's goodness? Is our mind and body not being synchronized, not being, not really being present, not being fully present? We're not really fully here. We're sort of divided. We don't really want to be here and now. I was doing one of these corporate shows and it actually happens a number of times, so there's a big show and they put all this money on and there's hundreds of people here and all their bosses are there and they're all, they've all traveled to watch the show and there's big production being put on and almost everybody's looking at their laptop. I, and I'm like, everybody's looking at their laptop and almost no one's looking at the show. It's like, why are you, why are you here then? It's like we don't really want to be where we are, where we're divided. It's, it's sort of confused, um, scattered, we're clumsy. It's like we want to be someplace else. Sakyam Gipan says, we're always looking for another now, a different now that would be somehow better. Okay, so those are the different ways in which we doubt, perhaps. How do you work with that? How do I work with that? Well, the first step really is just to become aware. You know, the first step is sort of awareness. Thank you. One good clue that you might want to work on something is the sense that you're suffering, that you're somehow kind of in pain in some way. That's usually like a little clue to me, like, oh, okay. I need to look at something here. What? What what, what what am I doing? What what is, what is my mind? Again, it's about our own mind. What what am I doing? And uh, I remember when I first started working with these, I felt some, and then uh, I felt some suffering. And it was around the time I was um, first learning to become a teacher and go through a training. And there's a lot of really wanting to do that and I wanted to do well and it's a little stressful and you wonder if you're going to measure up and all that. And so all of a sudden I'm feeling a little, suffering and I go, oh That's anxiety. I feel anxiety. So perhaps we notice that we're feeling one of these categories or maybe we're feeling jealous That's a juicy one. I've worked with that one a lot or maybe we notice that oh, I'm forgetting to Be a good kind decent person I'm forgetting my path or I'm feeling arrogant right now or I'm slandering people, or I'm just really not present. So we notice, okay, boom. You, and you, you, that's really important. <laughs> it all starts with that. For me, it's like, i got to remember these things. The only way they've helped me is because I remember them. And then I go, oh, okay, I'm feeling anxious. All right, how do I work with that? Well, the main, and the main thing is that I need to trust or have some willingness to open to that, to work with it. You know, if I'm not willing to try to work with that, that little flower moment of, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to let this go and work with it. Let's see what happens. You have to have some willingness. If you're not willing, that's okay, too. Notice that. But you need that willingness. And how do you do it? It's a bit of an advanced practice, but it really is based on the same practice we've been doing here all along. It starts with, uh, well, first of all, don't cause any harm. That's always number one. So, if you feel like saying something nasty or sending a nasty email or doing something kind of harsh, stop, don't do that. It's like counting to 10 when you're mad. All right, so the first step is don't cause harm. Once you've noticed, okay, if that's appropriate. The second step in working with this is letting go thoughts. So we're practicing that all the time in meditation. We just let those thoughts go, whatever they are. So in my case, I remember I was feeling anxious about uh, teaching, and I was worrying about getting everything right, and am I going to give a good talk, and do I know all this, am I getting all right, and I just, I'm anxious, Okay, Just let those thoughts go. Come back to the breathing. If you're able, if you're able to come back to the breathing, now, sometimes that's pretty hard, especially if you're really feeling anxious. You might not just be able to let it go that easy. Or you might have to let go, come back, let go, come back. Sometimes you might just have to come back to the feeling in your body. If you're really feeling, I'm really anxious. Okay, we'll let the thoughts go. I'm worrying about getting this all right, doing this, doing that. Let the thoughts go. Feel the energy in my body. Just feel the energy in my body. Let the thoughts go and feel the energy in my body. Feel. Let the thoughts go. And then eventually, when you're able to, eventually, just keep feeling the energy. Is it shifting? Is it changing? And eventually, let the energy go. And when you're able to, you can just come back to the breathing. And you've dealt with the issue. And then if you're going to act, if you have actions, they come after that. After you processed and it may require some reflection, too. I know when I was working with anxiety, uh, which I've come a long way with, um, around teaching in particular, I had, you know, okay, I, what, I've got to get this right. I've got I to gotta be the smartest and best, and I can't say anything wrong, and I have to have perfect analogies and beautiful metaphors, and the, the, the heaven needs to open up, and the skies need to reverberate, and the angels need to sing. And, and then I just let that go. And it was you know, it was difficult, feeling, feeling, you know. And I had to think about it a little bit too calmly. I said, so, well, you know, what am I doing right now? I'm, I'm studying. Do I like studying? Yeah. Yeah, I like studying. Okay. I'm just going to study. I'm thinking about this. Okay. Do I like that? Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm, Having ideas and writing about this—do I like that? Yeah, okay. All that other stuff—I don't know. Am I going to be good? Am I going to be bad? Are people going to like it? Am I going to make it? I—I I don't know. But can I just let that go, and can I just enjoy this moment? And the, when I looked into it, the answer was, yeah, I could. I could. Doesn't mean I never felt anxious. I felt anxious many times, but I c- consistently started to work with that process and and test that, and it worked for me. So, um, just to finish up what I have to say, if we work this process of doubt, what what might the um, result be, if we're your, take this chance, if we're willing to open, what could happen? Uh, well, you know, so Schlepprock gives, gives it a shot, lets his thoughts go, and well, it's said that the clouds go away, and then the snow lion has a sense of joy, openness. It's fun. It's, it's good to be alive. I may mean, not be easy. We don't always feel happy, Might be stressful. Might be difficult sometimes. But there's a there's a beauty in it. Um, it's said that if we work with anxiety and let that go and work with it, then what happens is perkiness arises. We feel perky. I know, like I love doing plays, and you can be really freaked out before you go on stage, and it could be like the end of the world, and you're going to die, or you could be like, wow, this is exciting. There's an audience out there. Yeah, this is cool. It can feel perky if we work with anxiety. We work with jealousy, it said that we, instead of feeling jealous, we could feel healthy, healthy and together. That if we work with forgetfulness, forgetting to be wakeful, that we could then become precise and brilliant. With arrogance, We work with our arrogance. Well, the uh, result of that could be that we might be more available to other people. Slander? Uh, well, actually, if we work with slander, then we can develop goodness in our speech and our demeanor. And then finally, the last one is when the mind and body aren't synchronized, when we're not really present, we're on the laptop and we don't care about what's why we're really there. Well, it said that if we actually synchronize mind and body together and be present that we actually overcome the trap of doubt altogether. That it's it's the whole enchilada. So um Yeah. I'm wondering if you guys have any questions. I know I've gone through a lot.
1: Um, I was going to ask how you deal with indecision and anxiety amongst everything you've talked about. Because I think work and indecision is something I personally struggle with a lot in terms of like deciding the next path or what you want to do. Um, and then, ultimately, when you talk to Older people, they're like, well, that, that struggle never really goes away in terms of like what you want to do. So,
3: hmm.
1: um, But everything you've said, I, obviously, I've related to it. Um, so, yeah, just in terms of indecision and anxiety, what are your thoughts and how meditation has helped or not helped, I don't know.
4: <laughs> That's interesting. Um indecision that could kind of go two different ways there could sort of be anxiety related uh, it could also just be that you know, sometimes it takes time to make a decision sometimes you just have to sit on something for a while but sometimes things aren 't clear and it's and you need to wait and you need to allow circumstances to uh, develop uh, so there's a, definitely a uh, a healthy and wakeful place at times for indecision. We need to wait sometimes. Um, but indecision could also be a quality of anxiety or fear. Uh, if I were to work with the anxiety, I think I'd do it more or less in the way I was talking about, you know, trying to let go of the thoughts, trying to come into the present, learning to trust my own goodness, the goodness of other people, and the goodness of the world. And when I do that, that usually helps. But decisions aren't simple. Decisions aren't simple. And working with fear isn't simple.
0: Um... Uh, In regards to anxiety, especially, um, I find other people's anxiety, especially when you're in a collaborative environment, creative or sometimes, in my case, in the service industry. I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure. Um, I'm an actor, so yes, I have. Yeah. Um, But I find myself-centered sometimes and really grounded. And it's so fragile when I'm approached with somebody else's anxiety. And it's almost like it's contagious, and I take it on and I find myself upset with them for, for disrupting the, the groundedness that I had had. And that triggers an, a whole dialogue inside of myself about that fragility of mine. And so... About your own fragility. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And um, I wonder how you might shore yourself up because you want to be open to other people and you want to empathize, but at the same time I get confused sometimes in that I I judge them and I find myself angry at them for what they've done to me when they Mm. haven't done anything to me.
4: Have you had any ways in which
0: you've tried to work with that? Um, the best tool so far has been breathing. Like I'll catch, I'll catch the swell of anxiety in myself in response to theirs. And usually a good, healthy, deep breath will at least curb it. Um, but uh, I guess the real issue is when I don't notice it inside of myself, and it's there. And I'll find myself 10 minutes later in a really unfortunate place Um, and I have to backtrack to that moment from before. So I guess it's Mm. just building the awareness and catching it earlier and maybe even getting ahead of it. Um, Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's interesting, Um, I think I think it's natural on the path of, of wakefulness when you meditate and when you have some, uh, some peace and some tranquility. It is it's very natural to have these, you know, keep, keep, keep that stuff over there. <laughs> keep, keep that away, please. I, your anxiety, I, I don't want to deal with that. It's hard. It's a challenge. That, that is a, why it's an advanced practice when we start to work with other people because they trigger stuff in us, too. And we can't change them, necess- you know. I can't um, make them not anxious, necessarily. Maybe. You never know, but can't control them. So he talked in the quote about complete acceptance and openness. So that's hard. You know? but the first step I says is don't cause harm to, you know, to yourself. Or another person. So you have to have... So if you're angry at yourself, you need to just notice that. That's fine. It's going to happen. Notice that, but you don't have to hang on to that. You don't have to be angry at yourself. It's difficult. If you notice anger towards the other person, you try to let that go, too. They're just... They're suffering. They're suffering. So There's a... It's a challenge, but we have to learn to trust our own goodness, the goodness of the other person, even if they are very, quote, difficult. And it might be difficult. You know, this joy that we talk about in the snow line, doesn't always feel joyful. Like, joy is sometimes referred to as sad joy, because it's not conditional. Like, this strength is unconditional. I had a moment today at work. My boss um, was a little, uh, there was some minor problem that we had, and he was irritated about that. He was irritated at the other guys we work with. He wasn't there at the time. And um, he was irritated at the guys, and he was irritated at me. I should have known better, too. It wasn't really my purview necessarily. And I said, well, you know, I do accept that, you know, I could do better, even maybe it's not my normal purview to deal with that. I could do better. Um, And these guys can work on it. But he really, there was really this thing about like, and it was very obvious, it was our fault. It was like he wasn't, had nothing to do with it. It was really, and I I felt that, you know, it was a team effort and I felt like, no it's, it's, you need to take some responsibility too. got very didn't want to do that and then I just had to kind of say something sort of strong you know but it was just true I was all, I was feeling exasperated in the moment really but, but I said what I had to say I said you know it's a team you know and you're the leader of the team right and I was there was some pain in there but he heard it 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 And he's a good person, and he heard that. So it didn't feel good. It doesn't always feel good. But I was fully there. Everybody thinks joy means you're always just, you know, floating around in fairy dust. It's not, it's, 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 it's sturdier than that. So it's, it's hard, it's advanced practice. But we have to be kind to ourselves, kind to others, and try to trust. Whole process. Don't try not to cause harm, but you also have to be truthful and strong. It's a path of warriorship, it's a path, a path of strength, kindness, and strength. Thank you.
1: Hey. Hey. Um, <clears throat> this is less a question, more a comment. Um, I am working on um, asking for what I need in the workplace, which otherwise uh, may be known as negotiating. And I did that today, and I felt very proud of myself. And I didn't get the response that I thought I would get. And it was an obstacle. And um, I, in fact, came in here feeling a lot of guilt and shame and uh, anxiety and forgetfulness. Uh, forgetful that, um, of my duty to myself, in a sense, um, <clears throat> that I can be kind to myself even though I've asked for something and I'm not getting it and I feel like maybe there may be some jeopardy involved in that or risk you know that I can still be kind to myself um, even if I don't get what I want Um, and so all this to say it is very rewarding to hear your description of the doubts and to realize that maybe these obstacles that I'm feeling now are not actually an end to something, but maybe the beginning of something else, of a new way of seeing myself as a person in the world, but also a person who works and has something to contribute. Um, So thank you.
4: You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, we don't always get the thing we want. You know, that's not, we can't control that. But we can know in our heart that we did we had good intention that's really all in the end you know if you have good intention in your heart and you're doing the right thing then somehow that always somehow that always works
5: in respond to the questioner before um, it's interesting because I met a friend like about an hour and a half ago. And then she shared with me she was really anxious. She was really depressed and so sad and feeling so lost. And what that did to me was just, it just naturally inspired me to touch my calmness and to touch like the sky-like nature of my mind that I occasionally discover during meditation practice. So there was no sense of like um, feeling, you know, I have to do something. It was more just inspiring me with that I had the confidence to kind of share that openness with her, and the confidence that somehow over time I could, you know, reach her. But it was very positive experience the whole thing actually.
4: Thank you. Yeah, so this is a training, we don't get, it's not easy, you know, we feel, we're opening up to our feelings and our ability to feel too in this process and be at peace with our feelings, so it's challenging to work with other people, but it's a beautiful challenge. Even in, even in the sad or difficult times
2: uh, I'm not sure I'm going to get this out constructively but something about um, I was realizing the, the metaphor of letting go you see a, an anxiety or a jealousy and let it go that, that sometimes brings up a loss reaction in me Um, which then, you know, okay, you could let that go, but uh, it occurs to me sometimes a better metaphor might be to kind of let it return and sort of come back and just dissolve in, rather than, you know, for me letting go is an image of kind of, it recedes in the distance, you know, and you wave goodbye to to the issue or the problem. And, and maybe sometimes a better metaphor would be to just let it come back, and you're one with it again. And I, I don't know. But that's not a metaphor that's usually worked with. It's usually a, a letting go or space. Or, um, yeah, good. i curious what you thought of that.
4: Good. Thank you. I think that's a good one to, to close on. Um, what, I, what I talk about letting go, letting go of the thoughts. So the thoughts are what we let go of. Now that can sound like avoidance. Yeah, that can sound like it. But it's actually not. It's actually the opposite. You actually are going into it. The thoughts are this sort of repetitive chat box. And in this case, usually about I'm not good enough, or other people have problems, or the world isn't very good. We can let go of the thoughts. But then we go into what we're feeling. What we're feeling is different than the thoughts. Oftentimes, it feels very different, especially when we're not used to letting go of those thoughts. It can be very challenging. It's a a challenging practice. And so it is, in a sense, we're letting go of the thoughts, but we're going into the feelings.
2: Yeah, that's all right, yeah, that's.
4: Yeah, yeah, and then somehow, at some point, maybe there's a coming out, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe not, it's not easy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about going in, though. You're right. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, it's been great. And uh, we have a, a refreshments outside. And uh, it's been my
3: pleasure. Thanks, Rick. Some, some good ideas all around. I'm going to work on this Monday. Hey, visit our website, ny.shambhala.org, for all of our upcoming courses and weekend retreats. Again, the Meditation in the City Retreat is happening August 17th to the 24th. Uh, register now to take advantage of the $100 early bird discount. If you live in a different city, there's probably a Shambhala Meditation Center near you. Look us up. But if you are in the New York City area, our weekly Dharma gathering is every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. You're invited. You can hear these talks live and in person.